Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trexan Sci-Fi with the star of the show, the Geek Meister himself, Rico. Welcome, one and all, to the Trex in Sci-Fi podcast, show number 48 for May the 7th, 2006. It's a fairly early Sunday morning here in Michigan, where I'm at. Uh, it's going to be, looks like a nice day outside, and what better way to start the day than to do another uh, podcast and to talk about uh, some of my favorite sci-fi and Star Trek things. This show, we're going to be discussing The Ultimate Computer, the original series Star Trek episode from the second season, along with some other sci-fi info and news, some email, and some collectible talk, of course. So sit back. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. A starship also runs on loyalty to one man. Four starships, 1,600 men and women. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, like I usually say each show, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show, either back to the show or for the first time uh, listeners, welcome to uh, this Trex in Sci-Fi podcast. This again is the show about science fiction, entertainment basically, uh, television and movies with a, a pretty heavy focus on Star Trek, which is uh, one of my favorites of course. For those that have listened for a while, um, no surprise there. It's uh, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things going on. Some uh, new movie trailers popped up, uh, which I I think I probably going to just start the show off talking about that. Uh, the uh, the first one I'd like to discuss the the main one I think is the Superman Returns movie trailer that uh, premiered and showed up uh, earlier this week. I think about Wednesday it showed up Tuesday Wednesday. I think. Uh, there are, there are a lot of versions of it up as far as quality. It's pretty amazing these days. They have uh, the ability to to put up online, you know, these very high-definition movie trailers, you know, 100 and 200 megabyte, which is which is very nice. I mean, you can see a lot of detail uh, in these trailers, the little, little things that uh, you, you would never be able to see with this with the previous quality that they used to put out. Anyway, um, that's not really the main thing to talk about. Superman Returns, let's talk about that for a minute. I'm, I'm obviously, and for those I think I've said this before that have listened, a big, big fan of the original, or not really original, let's call them, um, Superman films of the late 70s, early 80s with Christopher Reeve. He, uh, to me, was, was one of the best Superman ever in the role. I, I even you know remember watching the old George Reeves Superman shows, the television shows from the 50s. And uh, I've seen the Dean Cain series, of course, Lois and Clark, uh, Superboy, they did a TV series. I watched some of the cartoon, uh, you know, different times when he's popped up on cartoon like Justice League and Superman the Animated Show. Anyway, I'm I'm pretty well versed. I've read some of the Superman comics, although that, I'm not really ever been a big Superman comic fan. He just seems a little too, you know, unstoppable ex- unless you got a little green rock in your pocket, you know. So, But anyway, the this, uh, this movie... Uh, by uh, Brian Singer, the directing it, who directed the X-Men films and a lot of other good movies that I really like and, and is, is definitely a guy who knows comics and, and enjoys the medium. 
So I have a lot of confidence in what Brian Singer is bringing in. Obviously, the biggest concern has been this this Brandon Routh guy uh, and how he's going to do in the role of Clark Kent Superman. But I'll tell you, from the uh, the movie trailer that I've seen and the little bits that I've <clears throat> excuse me heard and picked up, uh, trying to stay pretty spoiler free so far, but. I think this this might turn out pretty good. Uh, I think they're treating it well, treating it seriously, and he he looks pretty good in the part. I'm not too keen on the new Superman suit. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned that one before, but it's just a little too different and a little too dark for me. I like the traditional uh, brighter Superman suit as seen by you know the one that Christopher Reeve wore in those films, but. Uh, I'll kind of reserve judgment. I, I don't mind them making some tweaks to it. That's not a big deal. I mean, if the if the acting, the storyline, uh, and everything is solid and good, I'll I'll enjoy it. I'm sure, uh, even with the costume changes. The only little thing, couple little things I'll mention when I saw the trailer. One was Kevin Spacey looks just great as Lex Luthor. I thought, and I think he's going to bring a lot to it. I'm almost afraid he might kind of steal the show to some degree. But this, uh, the one that got play, playing Lois, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Kate Bosworth, that's her name, I think. Uh, she just seems a little too young, a little immature in a way. I, I don't know, there's just something about her. She just doesn't seem to have the seasoning, I guess, that I'd expect the, the Lois character to have, the savvy. I don't know why. It's very hard to tell from a movie trailer, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to reserve judgment on that. The movie comes out at the end of June, June 30th, I believe, or so. So um, I'm definitely going to be there opening day. I, anytime I think uh, they do a fairly good Superman movie, it's going to be worth seeing. And it's been a long, long time. You know, I was thinking the other day that this is probably the first time a lot of younger people have seen a Superman film in the movie theater. So I think uh, they don't really have as many preconceived notions as some of us uh, older folk that have seen uh, a lot of Superman over the years. So let's uh, let's try to support it. I, I definitely think this is going to be worth checking out. So. Superman Returns, coming up at the end of June. Uh, The other movie trailer I was going to mention briefly uh, that I saw, and I won't go into as much detail, but I saw the Pirates of the Caribbean 2, uh, something, Search for the Black Pearl, something like that it's called. I forget what the subtitle, uh, Dead Man's Chest maybe? I don't know. They're making two of them at the same time, two and three. Uh, Two will be out this July, and number three will be out next uh, summer, probably also in July. This movie just looks like a lot of fun. I really enjoy Johnny Depp uh, as Captain Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates of the Caribbean from a couple of years back, and I think this movie looks just just like a lot of fun at the at the at the movies. And he treats the role, you know, not so, so seriously at all. And I think that fits real well with the the genre. And I think this will, uh, of course, be another fun summer movie. You know, I, I really, really look forward to the summer for a few things. I, I like, of course, the warmer weather, living in Michigan. And, and it's uh, the time when all these big movies come out. And I would, um, I'll definitely be seeing Pirates also. The other thing uh, on the movie end, X-Men will be out in a few weeks. And I did see, it's not really sci-fi, but I did watch and go see the newest Mission Impossible on opening night for uh, Friday night. If you can get past the whole Tom Cruise thing, if that doesn't bother you too much, you know, with all of his uh, being in the news lately and all the stuff that's been going on in his private life, uh, I think you'll enjoy this movie. To me, it was the best of the Mission Impossible movies by far. I wasn't really even too big a fan of the first two. Uh, I thought there was a lot of things in him that I didn't really care for. Um, But anyway, uh, I think as an action movie and as a good time with a solid story, this Mission Impossible 3 was really good. I enjoy J.J. Abrams' work on Alias and Lost, 
And, of course, he's going to be doing the next uh, Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek Eleven, or whatever it's going to be called, uh, and whatever it's going to be all about. Which, by the way, I, I have not heard a lot new talking about that. I just know that's his next project, next big project. I think Alias, the TV show, is ending this year. He will just be doing Lost, and I, he has another show, What About Brian, I think, that uh, is, is also in, in his... Uh, group of projects right now but anyway i think it'll free up some time with alias being gone and it was it was kind of interesting how much being a, a person that's watched alias how much mission impossible was like uh and had so many things like the movie or the tv show alias in the movie mission impossible but i i thought it was really well done and that's about it for the for the news about movies trailers and things like that i i, I think we're gonna have some good good times coming up in the next few weeks at the movies Okay, I'm going to talk about a couple of emails here in a minute, but the first uh, other thing I wanted to mention, I did a little experiment yesterday, and I did a a video uh, prop replica review and put it up on YouTube. I will link this in the podcast notes, and you can get to that off the treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com website. Uh, All will get you to the same place. Just go to the podcast link, and in the show notes for this podcast for number 48, I'll put a link to the YouTube video I did a video of the uh, Master Replicas Star Trek Communicator from the original series. It's about a two-minute long video. I, I uploaded it to YouTube, and I think it came out pretty good. The lighting's kind of tricky to do, and I don't have the, the newest video camera to do all this with, but I think it came out pretty good. I'm going to try to do a few others uh, of these and, and refine the process a little bit and make them a little better. But I thought with the collectibles that I've talked about, especially some of the things that light up, make sounds, uh, props, and things like that. I thought the video uh, review, could, you know, just try to keep it a couple minutes long. I thought that would be a big uh, a big benefit and a big plus. So I'm going to try to put one of those up maybe, eh, I don't know, every few weeks, maybe once a month or so, try to do one of those. And I will uh, mention it on the podcast, of course, and, and uh, put the links in the notes. So take a look at the video. Send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think about that, if it, if it helps you, uh, you know, see the replica a little bit better than just some photos, and uh, we'll go from there. It's now time for some email on Treks in Sci-Fi. i got to really mention this one email that just really uh, kind of shocked almost me a little bit that I got uh, this, uh, I think I got it about a week ago, yeah, April 30th. It's uh, from a guy named Bradley Baker, and he says this, Hello, Rico. I am Staff Sergeant Bradley Baker from Kessler Air Force Base in Biloxi on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. says, I first discovered your podcast shortly after I rode out uh, Hurricane Katrina here at the base. It was a very hard time, probably the hardest I will ever have to go through. Seeing starving and homeless people screaming at you for water simply because you're in a uniform and not being able to really help them was difficult. It was almost indescribable. I want you to know that listening to your show got me through that time. You only had a, a few out at the time, so I listened to the ones I had over and over again. My, Me and my fellow airmen now listen to Treks and Sci-Fi whenever they come out and love it. I listen to a lot of other sci-fi podcasts, and yours is by far the best. My favorite are the reviews of the original Star Trek series episodes. Thanks for getting me through one of the toughest times in my life, and thank you for your great show. Staff Sergeant Bradley Baker, United, Air, United States Air Force... Mississippi. Hey, uh, Bradley. I, I just, I just want to say, hi, you know, I, I really uh, appreciated that letter. Uh, I, it's really great to get emails from the listeners and to realize that, I, you know, maybe I'm making just a tiny bit of, you know, help in entertaining people, giving them something to, uh, 
to listen to out there, you know, it really makes makes me feel good and makes me continue to do the show and, and do the best job that I can with it. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a story, Bradley, that um, I heard, ah, gosh, a long time ago. I'm not sure where originally I heard this. I think it was one of the original series, uh, original Star Trek series actors mentioned this at some point a long, long time ago, maybe in a radio interview. Anyway, the story went like this. It was about some guys that were in um, Vietnam. And, of course, you know, it's everything that we've always heard and seen about Vietnam in, in any wartime situation. It's, it's, it's a very difficult time. But one of the stories, there, there's a couple of stories that I've heard. One was there were a group of guys in a, I don't know, what do you want to call it, a unit, let's just say, in, in Vietnam. And a lot of them were Star Trek fans. And one of the things that kind of, you know, in Vietnam was just a little after, uh, well, slightly during and after the original series was on the air. So it was pretty fresh in a lot of people's minds. But one of the things that kept them going and, and sort of sane, I guess, in that madness over there was they would uh, sort of recite what they could remember of the different Star Trek episodes back to each other. You know, one of them would play one of the parts, one would play another. And it was just a way for them to to, to just, you know, try to have some sense of, you know, normalcy and reality in, in a crazy situation. And I always always remember that story. And uh, it's it really, um, it just shows the power of that, that entertainment. You know, people say it's just it's just a TV show. It's just a, it's just a movie, whatever. Um, but I think without these kinds of things without getting too deep into this life life is difficult enough as it is if you don't have a little break from it occasionally and and can kind of get a new perspective on things and i you know i think that's what this all tries to do uh and it gets you to think about issues and things like that you know star trek isn't just flat out entertainment but uh anyway i thought i'd mention that story uh there's a few other ones military guys military um star trek fans i know out there and uh, I really, again, appreciate your letter, Bradley. Thanks a lot for that. I got a, uh, it seemed like it was the week to send fairly long emails. I'm not going to be able to read uh, all of the next one here. I'll just read a little bit of it. It's from somebody named uh, Ela, E-L-A Alvar. It says, hey, Rico, I've been listening to your show for a while now, and I really like it. You have a real conversational style that rarely seems to work for podcasts with only one host, but seems to work for you. Uh, I just got done listening to your Skype show about the future of Star Trek. I agree with just about everything that was said, but one thing wasn't brought up. Uh, let's see what I'm, I'm afraid it has bad implications. Oh, this this is a story about um, some other Superman script with J.J. Abrams and things, and it, I think this is was just a rumor anyway, but I'm not going to read that part of his email here. Let's skip down a little bit. Uh, anyway, he just uh, he was hoping that this story wasn't true, and but he really wanted to just mention he appreciates my podcast and show, and I kind of wrote him back and I said, yeah, there was a there has been several Superman scripts floating around on the internet over the years, and you know, just keep in mind that that doesn't mean a lot. There's a lot of things floating around out there. I think a lot of things people create on their own, edit and change. So, as they uh, say, don't believe everything you see on the internet. So anyway, thanks for your email. Also, Ela, I hope I'm saying that correct. I'm not really sure uh, if I am. E L A is his first name. Thank you very much. <laughs> We got another uh, email here from Alvin. NG is his last name. I think that's a Vietnamese name, perhaps. I'm not sure. Um, somewhere probably in the Far East. Uh, he just uh, he wrote a very lengthy email. I can't really read it at all. Uh, just, you know, thanks for the podcast. Keep up the great shows uh, that you're doing, he says. 
he mainly was talking about the Measure of a Man uh, podcast that I did last uh, last weekend, and he wanted to make some comments about that. And it's it's a very very good email, and I, I did respond to him. But I just wanted to say a kind of a shout out to Ela. Sorry, not Ela. That was the last one. This is Alvin. Sorry, Alvin. Uh, thanks for your email. He mentions the um, the Animatrix uh, DVD, which I've seen, and in relationship to computers and androids and all that, and a lot of, a lot of good similarities actually between that and and the data episodes. So thanks for your uh, email, Alvin. Okay, and the last email here, I want to mention that I have time for uh, is from uh, Jenny Rhodes, who's also a member on the forums. Jenny wrote, uh, Hi Rico, I heard them refer to you in the Extra Life podcast today. Oh my gosh, I was mentioned in Extra Life. Those guys are nuts over there anyway. <laughs> they uh, they wanted your perspective on the new, the new Trek film and rumors, which I think I've given quite a bit on the last few shows of the podcast, so they're pretty aware of that. Um, oh, she sent me a uh, an audio file of this Picard song, this Picard rap song, which I think a lot of people have heard. There's a video even of it with it included on the video you can find uh do a search on youtube for picard rap and you'll you'll find the video that goes along with this song it's like the one that starts out uh, jean-luc picard on the uss enterprise it, it's pretty funny it's 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 kind of long i'm not gonna have a chance to play it on the show for you but uh for today at least i might include it on a another podcast maybe a middle of the week show sometime in the future but i i just want to say thanks for sending that uh mp3 file to me jenny it's yeah it's a funny song and and somebody must have spent a lot of time taking all those little uh patrick stewart jean-luc picard clips and and including them in a little rap tune so thanks jenny thanks for the uh email and the song hey everyone this is scott johnson from the extra life radio show you're listening to treks in sci-fi with my friend rico Okay, before we get into the main uh, uh, Star Trek episode review and commentary, I, I want to talk about something new for Treks in Sci-Fi. I've been writing back and forth with a gentleman named Brian that uh, runs a, a collectible uh, internet website called youbynow.com. And this will be familiar to all the Extra Life listeners of this podcast also. Yeah, Brian uh, over at youbynow.com had uh, been he contacted me first and mentioned and suggested that uh, some of the people that listen to this show especially since I talk about collectibles quite a bit might be interested in purchasing some of the items on his uh, he's really got a good website lots of collectibles toys replicas things like that uh, check out youbynow.com and the way we're starting this off today uh, that Brian was kind enough to send in he sent a, a action figure of uh commander dax from deep space nine you know jedzia dax uh and the the cool thing about this replica or the not really a replica action figure excuse me is it's uh she's in the uniform from the trials and tribulations episode and there's even a couple little fuzzy tribbles in it she's got the tricorder communicator uh data pad and it's a really really nice action figure in in an it's a little larger scale than the, the previous trek figures I guess this is more like about a six-inch scale. I will take some pictures of it and put it in the podcast notes of this action figure. And what we're going to do to start this off with is we're going to have a contest to give away this uh, action figure. And I was thinking, uh, as I was taking a shower this morning, actually, I was trying to figure out, I wanted to do another trivia contest for this this really cool figure 
for the show, and I was trying to think of another Star Trek-type question that would be maybe not the easiest to get, but uh, probably still some people would be able to get it. That You know, the trick with doing a contest and a trivia question is you, you can't make it so impossibly hard that no one will get it, but you can't make it so easy like saying, hey, what's the name of this ship on, on Star Trek or whatever, because then everyone will be writing in. you got to make it a little tricky. So anyway, here is the question for the Jezia Dax Trials and Tribulation figures given to us for the show by the great guys and, and people over at youbynow.com. So here's the question. you got to name and tell me the episode of the original Star Trek series, the episode where Scotty called Captain Kirk Jim. Now, from my uh, knowledge and recollection, uh, Scotty only did this one time, and let's say, um, we'll we'll just put it the first time he ever did this, because he may have done it in a movie, but we're not counting that. I'm looking for the original series Star Trek episode where Scotty called Captain Kirk Jim, and I believe he only did this one time, so... Tell me that uh, the name of that episode, and you will be entered into this contest. If there's more than one people, one person that answers this question correct, I will of course randomly select one of the people that answer correctly to win the figure. And we'll we'll do this and sew this all up uh, next week's uh, Sunday podcast, which will be show number fifty. So anyway, write in your answer to treksf at gmail.com. Just maybe put contest in the subject line so I can keep track of those, and I will again. We'll give this figure away next week, and hopefully uh, there are some people out there will get the answer. I don't think this question is too difficult. I, I think the people that have really watched the original series should know right off which episode I'm talking about. Those that don't know may have to do a little digging. So anyway, uh, there's the contest. Thanks to uh, Brian and everyone at youbynow.com. Check out their website. Oh, the other thing I'm going to mention also is they, they were kind enough to set up a 10% off uh coupon for the listeners of the show so what you do is if you buy something at youbynow.com and you go to the checkout process i guess there there'll be a like a coupon code area you enter in a code you can enter in treks in sci-fi or just trek sf both of those should work to give you a 10 percent discount on all of your purchases at youbynow.com and i will link them of course up in the podcast notes and they've got a couple of neat new things there there's a darkness figure from the movie legend and there's a Balrog, uh, a lot of neat stuff. And I'm, I'm probably going to actually buy a couple things this week. So anyway, thanks to you guys at youbynow.com for supplying this Dax figure. And we'll finish up the contest next week. And now we're going to switch over to the TOS review. To get us started for this week's episode, The Ultimate Computer, I'm going to just go right into playing the one-minute-long preview for the episode. Here you go. Captain's log, star date 4731.3. The M5 Multitronic unit has taken over total control of the Enterprise. I can't run a starship with 20 crew. The M5 can. That thing murdered one of my crewmen, and now you tell me you can't turn it off? Sir, sensors are picking up four Federation starships. Base is firing. On the Lexington. We're firing again, sir. The Excalibur, a direct hit. The Hood and Potemkin are moving off. Phase is firing, Captain. Lexington, hit again. There's your murder charge. Deliberate, calculated. That thing is killing men and women. Four starships, 1,600 men and women. It misunderstood. I believe the only way to stop the Enterprise is to destroy her. Request permission to proceed. 
Well, okay, there you have the preview for this week's uh, commentary on the Star Trek uh, original series episode, The Ultimate Computer. This is uh, an episode from the second season of Star Trek. In the production listing, it's number 53. It was written uh, by DC Fontana, who, of course, has written quite a few good, really good Star Trek uh, episodes over the years. She's even working with the New Voyages guys a little bit now on some of these episodes they're doing. It's by a story originally by Lawrence Wolf, uh, directed by John Meredith Lucas, who also directed a lot of episodes. The basic idea of this story, if for those that quite, can't quite recall even from the preview, is there's this uh, computer called the M5 computer created by Dr. Richard Daystrom, who is the guy who created a lot of the uh, computer systems of, aboard Starships and the Enterprise, of course. And he has this new M5 computer deal that uh, is basically a way to eliminate a lot of the crew on the Enterprise and re- and replace them by a, a massive new computer system called the M5 unit, which uh, can basically run the Starship without a lot of the crew. Uh, and it's it's a really, really good episode. Brings up a lot of themes sim- somewhat similar to the Measure of a Man that we talked about last week. Let me give you a few other little uh, bits of background a few really good excuse me just had my tongue you know go up inside my brain (laughs) anyway um, the guy who plays Dr. Uh, Richard Daystrom is um, his actor the actor's name is William Marshall and I think uh, one of the great things about this episode is how strong a character he is in here and how much he cares about this computer system that he's created and how he defends it in a way even when things start to go badly. Uh, he's, that's a really good uh, situation or a really good actor that they got for that part. He's, he's a big guy, too. He's real tall. Um, Bradley, uh, who I mentioned before from the Air Force, even sent me an email, a brief little email about how his little uniform or jumpsuit that he wears in this episode is, is very tight on him. I, I think it's because this guy is huge. I mean, he's, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, William Shatner are fairly tall, especially Nimoy, I think, was about six foot or so, six one. And this guy's like a good two or three inches taller than him, which which, uh, which, which is pretty uh, pretty helpful. And he's got a very deep voice and, and commands a lot of respect. And I, I think they got somebody really good, in other words, for this part of uh, Dr. Daystrom. And the, the interesting other little tidbit here is the M5 computer system itself, the voice for it. And I'm not sure if the audio that I collected from this episode, if you hear much of the M5 talking, I think you do in one of the later clips. But anyway, the voice was provided by none other than Scotty, Jimmy Doohan. Uh, he, uh, he did a lot of voices on Star Trek because he was good with doing different character voices. Of course, the Scottish accent that he uses as Scotty is not really his normal uh, speaking voice. It was an accent that he, he created for the role. So, But he is the voice for the M5 computer. And the, uh, the other big uh, star, extra star in this is uh, played by uh, or Commodore Wesley, who leads the attack group against the Enterprise. And that guy's name, the actor's name, is Barry Russo, so I thought I'd mention those. It was always good when they had a couple of good, strong actors in Star Trek as guest stars. I think it really adds a lot to the episode. Let's move along, though. I'm uh, really burning up the time on this podcast, so let's move in to the episode. This uh, first audio clip that I wanted to play, and again, it was difficult, uh, as usual, to get pull out just a few. I've got like seven total. You've heard one so far, so six more. This one uh, is very near the beginning of the episode when Commodore Wesley comes over the Enterprise to explain the situation and what's going to happen uh, to the Enterprise and this little experiment that they're going to try. So here you go. Here's this clip first. 
war games. I'll be commanding the attack force against you. An entire attack force against my ship? Have you heard of the M5 Multitronic unit? That's uh, Dr. Richard Daystrom's device, isn't it? Tell me about that. The most ambitious computer complex ever created. Its purpose is to correlate all computer activity aboard a starship to provide the ultimate in vessel operation and control. How do you know so much about it, Commander? I hold an A7 computer expert classification, Commodore. I'm well acquainted with Dr. Daystrom's theories and discoveries. The basic design of all our ship's computers are Dr. Daystrom's. What has all this got to do with the Enterprise, Commodore? You've been chosen to test the M5, Jim. There'll be a series of routine research and contact problems for the M5 to solve, plus navigational maneuvers and the war games problem. Now, if the M5 works under actual conditions as well as it has under simulated tests, it will mean a revolution in space technology as great as warp drive. When your crew has been removed, the ship's engineering section will be modified to contain the computer. Why remove my crew? They're not needed. How much security does this gadget require? None. Dr. Daystrom will see to the installation himself, and he'll supervise the tests. When he's ready, you'll receive your orders and proceed on the mission with a crew of 20. 20? I can't run a starship with 20 crew. The M5 can. And what am I supposed to do? You've got a great job, Jim. All you have to do is sit back and let the machine do the work. I thought it was uh, important to play that uh, clip, even though it was fairly long, the whole thing, a couple minutes there. That's that's right near the beginning of the episode. Just to give you a sense of everything that's going on there, you know, they're putting this M5 unit on the Enterprise. They're going to pull out most of the crew, like 400 of the crew, leave like 20 people, uh, basically the senior officers, a couple of people in engineering and so on. And it's it's a big shock to Captain Kirk, of course, there, as you hear. You know, he's got, he's got this big old ship to run he's got a lot of crew and and he's used to that situation and now they're saying well we're going to stick this computer aboard and you don't need all those people the thing i was thinking about as i was watching this episode again and collecting up the audio as usual is you know even with a computer on a starship there's a lot more to what they do Uh, you know when they go down to explore a planet and things you don't really see on a typical star trek episode you know when they go down with you know, people that are botanists, geologists, to explore strange new worlds, you know, to seek out new life and all that. A computer can't really do that. An Android, like they got to the point in the next generation, like Data, you know, those guys could do those kinds of things and maneuver around in that. I mean, obviously the M5 could run the ship itself, get them from place to place, and with, I guess, a very limited amount of crew aboard that would, that would you know, be the uh, landing parties to go and visit these planets and that, you could still get by with a lot less. I mean, it, it you're trying. They're trying to kind of say that a lot of the crew on the Enterprise is just to keep the ship going from place to place, and uh, I think that's true to some degree. But I think there's a lot of people on there really that are doing other jobs that are mostly involved uh, in doing other experiments and going down to landing parties and things you don't always see. So, uh, but that's not really that critical. The, the point of the matter is, is that this is a typical man versus machine episode uh, or a typical man versus machine story, I should say, of you know, here's here's a computer, a system coming in, and hey, we don't need all these people. And you know, this has happened throughout the industrial age, and 
these days with with computers. Although I'll tell you what, you know, sometimes uh, computer systems have actually created a lot of jobs too. So there's always that situation uh, to think about. Uh, but there's you know, robotics in in industry in general have have taken away huge numbers of jobs where people would actually you know, do certain things and tasks that, that machines can do uh, as well or better now. So I, I've, I've been in a lot of automotive plants over the years for different jobs that I've had and, and things like that, and I, I've seen a lot of automation come into places, which uh, it's a good thing. But I'll tell you what, you know, even with automation, it breaks down, and it still needs a guy to come in and fix it. So, uh, And that's kind of what happens in this episode about the M5 computer. It just, uh, yeah, it, it kind of works pretty good until it starts to go haywire and break down. So, And we'll get to that in a few. The next clip I'd like to play, though, you know, a big part of this episode is how Captain Kirk deals with this situation and what he feels about this. You know, he's he's the captain. He makes the he's the decision maker, and ultimately, probably it's it's mainly his job that this computer is trying to take away. If this computer can be programmed with all the information it needs, it's it's the captain's job that's not really on the line. Ultimately, I mean, a lot of other jobs too, but he he's the decision maker. He's the one that that weighs everything. He gets all the information from his crew. And then he comes up with the final decision. Well, the M5 computer, being a computer and being able to f- be fed all this data and information, it's becoming or trying to become the ultimate decision maker, the ultimate computer. And here's a good clip uh, that I'll play for you with uh, Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy talking about the, you know, the ramifications of this situation. I think that thing is wrong, and I don't know why. I think it's wrong, too, replacing men with mindless machines. I don't mean that. I'm getting a red alert right here. That thing is dangerous. I feel... Only a fool would stand in the way of progress, if this is progress. You have my psychological profiles. Am I afraid of losing my job to that computer? Jim, we've all seen the advances of mechanization. After all, Daystrom did design the computers that run this ship under human control. We're all sorry for the other guy when he loses his job to a machine, but when it comes to your job, that's different. And it always will be different. Am I afraid of losing command to a computer? Daystrom is right. I can do a lot of other things. Am I afraid of losing the prestige and the power that goes with being a starship captain? Is that why I'm fighting? Am I that petty? Jim, if you have the awareness to ask yourself that question, you don't need me to answer it for you. Why don't you ask James T. Kirk? He's a pretty honest guy. So there you have uh, a big part of the, the crux of this episode. And um, Oh, I just apologize if you hear it. My wife's doing some vacuuming upstairs, so um, hopefully you won't pick that up on the mic. Uh, but anyway, back to the uh, Star Trek episode. This, uh, you know, this is ultimately the, the the main part of this story. Is you know, there's a machine here that's trying to do the job of, of of men and do the job of the captain, and it's it's a big big thing. And you know, that's what uh, the 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 scientist guy or whatever that wanted to take data apart on the episode "The Measure of a Man" that I talked about last week. You know, ultimately, he wanted, he wanted to create starships full of uh, androids to do dangerous things and do the job of man. But that got a little bit more tricky because, of course, they, they brought in the whole sentience. You know, were, were these androids, were they basically alive? You know, were they, um, 
living beings, and and then it turns into this slavery thing. And I talked about that. We won't go back into that. That's all on last week's show. If you want to uh, listen to that again, but you know, this is just a machine doing the job of men and doing the job of the captain. And that is, you know, something throughout time has gone on, and and it's it, it's a good good story. But ultimately, you know, the the decision making and what the captain's job does, you know, you, you can get a computer to help you, you know, them, you know, balance the matter antimatter and the warp drive better, or they can get a computer that can help them, you know, navigate through the galaxy better. Or they can get a computer to help them lock on a target and fire phasers better rather than some kind of manual control. But to have the computer be the one that makes the decisions. You know, let's, I'll go off into a little tangent here. This is kind of like in the in terms of um, these days, this is kind of like the, the video game scenario. You know, you have a, uh, you know, there have been chess programs and there are, you know, real-time strategy games. And I don't know if there are a lot of, I know there are definitely gamers that listen to this podcast, but it's the, it's the classic situation of can you create a computer game or computer program that can outwit and outthink, uh, you know, a human opponent. And you know what, I think you can get close, but I don't think you can really do it. And, you know, they, they just, uh, it's, it's not, there, there, there's the unpredictable nature of, of human thought and human decision making that that can't be accounted for, and ultimately, the, you know, a machine, so far at least, in my opinion, will lose that kind of a fight. You know, will lose that kind of a battle. They they may win, you know, a couple of games, but eventually, you know, the the person will do something unpredictable, and that unpredictable nature and that sort of, you know, inner sixth sense that Captain Kirk always seems to have in, you know, when he needs it. That's that's what makes the difference. That's what gives him the edge. You know, if he just does things logically by the book, that's why Spock. While you know he could be a decent commander of a starship and a, and a captain and all that, he really he doesn't have that gut instinct that Kirk does, and that's why Kirk is where he is and Spock is where he is. He just um, he just doesn't have that situation as as well as the captain has it finely tuned, and that again is is what makes him an, the excellent captain and commander that he is for the Enterprise. So, um, I think I said what I wanted to say about that. Um, let's go on. The uh, This theme and this idea of, of replacing the captain, of course, continues throughout this whole episode. And the next clip I'm going to play for you, to me, has one of the best little short little scenes here of the episode. There, there's, there's a lot of them. I was actually tempted to just use this as my uh, commentary episode. I was going to play the whole thing and just comment on the episode. But I don't know. I, I, I got to work out that idea a little bit better. I don't know. We'll have to see how that's going to go. I am going to try it sometime. But um, anyway, back to the ultimate computer. The The clip here that you're going to hear is on the bridge with uh, Kirk and Spock. And Spock says some uh, really good things to the captain that he needs to hear at the time. So listen to this. Machine of a man, Spock. It was impressive. Might even be practical. Practical, Captain. Perhaps. But not desirable. Computers make excellent and efficient servants, but I have no wish to serve under them. Captain, a starship also runs on royalty to one man and nothing to replace it or him. Captain, message now coming in from Commodore Wesley. What is on visual? USS Enterprise from starships Lexington and Excalibur. Both ships report simulated hits in sufficient quantity and location to justify awarding the surprise engagement to Enterprise. 
Secure from general quarters. Our compliments to the M5 unit and regards to Captain Dunzel. Wesley out. Dunzel? Who the blazes is Captain Dunzel? What does it mean, Jeff? Dunsell, Doctor, is a term used by midshipmen at Starfleet Academy. It refers to a part which serves no useful purpose. Well, ouch. That was a pretty big uh, slam by Commodore Wesley there to Captain Kirk, uh, you know, Captain Dunsell. I always uh, always remember that, like that uh, little thing that they threw in, uh, you know, referring back to the Starfleet Academy days and you know this uh, this idea of uh, something that doesn't have a useful purpose. They probably used it talking about their you know sometimes their instructors at the academy or or whatever. But yeah, he's uh, he's telling Captain Kirk that he's uh, doesn't have any purpose anymore. He's useless, and it really gets to him. And he walks off the bridge there, and it's uh, it's a good scene. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing it's right after Spock has told him that that he doesn't he's you know Spock is like the ultimate computer geek. I mean, he's into the computers and that the great thing about this episode is it's kind of a twist spock isn't really too keen on this computer idea taking over the ship he he's very loyal to captain kirk he's his friend and he thinks uh, there's a there's a little bit more you know later on that i'll play for you but you know spock is like computers are good to do data and help him with certain tasks and jobs but he has no desire to be told what to do by a computer um, so that's that's really uh, I think that's neat. I, I really think that's a cool thing because you know you would think if anyone on the ship would be behind the whole M five thing would be Spock. I mean, he's a you know a walking, breathing computer anyway. But no, that's not really true. There's there's more to it than that. So I really like that part. The next clip. Let's move along here. Uh, is there, there the Enterprise runs into this ore ship? It's unmanned. It's like a robotic ore ship uh, flying out there in space, and the M5 computer detects it and actually thinks it's a threat, so he, it destroys it. It's like, hey, there's a ship out there, I'm in war game mode, blah, 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 and he blows it away, um, which is not the way it was supposed to go. So here's a clip right after that uh, situation has happened. That thing is trying to tell us nothing has happened. Disengage this computer now. There appears to be some defect in the control panel. There certainly does. Your brilliant young computer just destroyed an ore freighter. In fact, it went out of its way to destroy an ore freighter. Fortunately, it was only a robot ship. Only a robot. But it shouldn't have destroyed anything. There might just as easily have been a crew aboard that ship. In which case, you would be guilty of murder. Bones, disengage the computer. Lieutenant, contact Starfleet Command. Tell them we are breaking off M5 tests and returning to the space station. Come along, Dr. Daystrom. M5 is out of a job. Good, good stuff there. DeForest Kelly, you know, Dr. McCoy, does a great job in this episode. He, he's got a lot of really good, strong lines, uh, just just really fits in well. I mean, that, that's one of the great things about the original series, the, the, the whole Kirk, Spock, McCoy, uh, you know, triangle there uh, really works well in this, in this episode in particular, I think. 
with with the emotional McCoy and and the logical Spock and, and Kirk caught in the middle and, and trying to make the right call and right decisions, even though he's you know kind of being trying trying to be taken out of the picture you know with this this computer board the Enterprise. So so there's really um, really good good stuff. The the line there you know with uh, Doctor Daystrom and and I don't think I have a clip of this, but you know the. What he did is he, he he somehow grafted his sort of sense and his they call it his memory engrams to the M5 computer. So the M5 is sort of like a mechanical reflection of of himself, which uh, it, it, it's a good and a bad thing because it's it, he sort of imprinted upon the machine somehow his 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 personality his his take on things, and that I think is partly ultimately what what's the downfall of the computer. You can you can do that, but it doesn't have all the memories, you know, everything. It doesn't have all the experience and the knowledge and the intuition and everything that a human being has, and it, it it's really having trouble with with what's right and wrong, and and it messes up. So um, and of course, you know, Kirk says there, let's pull the plug, and a crewman gets killed trying to disconnect the computer, and they're still trying to work on that. And of course, then the four uh, four big starships come in to to do the big war game that they're they're supposed to do and they don't realize that the m5 computer has taken complete control of the enterprise by that point and it's a big mess in the and you know of course even with four starships the the m5 controlling the enterprise can do it much better faster more efficiently and has all kinds of tactics and maneuvers built in and it starts to wipe out the fleet uh, of starships that have come for the war games and uh, Commodore Wesley, the next clip I'm going to play for you, this is all in prelude to the next clip, Talks, tries to talk to the Enterprise and can't get through because, of course, the M5 is messing up con- communications and all that. And here's a, uh, a clip for what's going on at this point in the story. It works faster, thinks faster than we do. It is a human mind amplified by the instantaneous relays possible in a computer. Captain, visual contact with Lexington. Enterprise, Jim. Have you gone mad? What are you trying to prove? Break off the attack. Jim, we have 53 dead here, 12 on the Excalibur. Now, if you can hear us, stop the attack. I'm sorry, sir. I can't override M5 interference. Jim, why don't you answer? Jim! Answer! Come in, Jim. There's your murder charge. Deliver it. Calculated. That thing is killing men and women. Four starships, 1,600 men and women. Stuart. Jim. Break off your attack. Excalibur is maneuvering away, sir. We're increasing speed to follow. Page is locked on. Daystrom! Page is firing. I really don't know how to get to the M5, Kirk. I really do not know. Yeah, the um, situation really is Daystrom's just too close to the situ- to the to the computer. I mean, he... he- he just uh, he feels the computer has been just trying to protect itself, and he he's too close to the situation to stop it. So of course, in 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 classic Captain Kirk style, he has a little discussion with the M5 computer, and that'll be the next clip here in a second that I'll play for you. And and this has been probably it's been done in oh, I don't know maybe half a dozen Star Trek episodes where where Kirk basically you know he gets on the uh, intercom or the communicator or whatever he does and he talks to a, a computer in your computer system whether it's on an alien planet or on a starship or whatever and and kind of uh, just basically talks the computer um, out of whatever it's trying to do so uh and that 
I, I just love that kind of stuff. That I think that's perfect. And again, it's like I was saying earlier about it's it's the whole you know the AI intelligence, the computer intelligence versus human. And I'm sorry, the computer's going to always lose that battle. So let's play the next one. Uh, this clip uh, will be the the Captain Kirk, of course, uh, talking to the M5 unit. Must you survive by murder? This unit cannot murder. Why? Murder is contrary to the laws of man and God. But you have murdered. Scan the starship Excalibur, which you destroyed. Is there life aboard? No life. Because you murdered it. What is the penalty for murder? Death. And how will you pay for your acts of murder? This unit must die. M5. Sir, deflector shields have dropped. All phaser power gone, sir. M5 is leaving itself open to attack. The machine is committing suicide to atone for the sin of murder. Scotty, Spock, before it changes his mind, get down to engineering. Pull out every hookup that makes M5 run. Pull out the plug, Spock. So there you have it. Uh, Kirk, of course, talks the M5 unit into shutting down, but not quite completely. It, it locks them still out of systems. They go down, they try to try to get them back, and the, the what, what happens in, well, let me uh, back up here a second. The reason the reason it decides to kill itself, in essence, let the sh- other starships destroy it, is that again it remember it's been imprinted with these this memory and these um, thoughts and ideas from Doctor Daystrom and Doctor Daystrom, his personality and his thoughts on, on the fact that if you would kill someone, you deserve to die too. So that keep that in mind. That's why the M5 is thinking and doing what it's doing. It's it's acting like Daystrom thinks about things, that murder is wrong and that the p- penalty for that would be to die. So that's why the computer leaves itself open. They can't quite get all the systems back up and going, and Kirk tries a, or does a little maneuver here where they can't get communications to tell these other ships what's going on. But what happens is he... Scotty tells him, well, you can get the shields and everything back up and all that, but Kirk says, no, don't put the shields back up. And the last clip I'm going to play for you for that will end out the episode here is the explanation of that. And Kirk basically gambles that Commodore Wesley won't just blow away a basically a defenseless starship. He knows something's wrong or something's different about that situation. You know, it was shielded it was firing weapons it was swinging around it was blowing them all out of the sky and all of a sudden now it's just sitting there dead in space no shields no nothing so he kurt gambles on that situation and and he's he's correct so i'm going to play this last clip for you that'll do it for the episode talk i'll come back after the clip and we'll move into the collectible and prop uh review section so i hope you've enjoyed this look at the ultimate computer and here we go with the uh the ending bit in the episode which is always a good way to end the commentary any other commander would have simply followed orders and destroyed us. But I knew Bob Wesley. I gambled on his humanity. Bridge. His logical selection was compassion. Compassion? That's the one thing no machine ever had. Maybe it's the one thing that keeps men ahead of them. Got to debate that spot? No, doctor. 
I simply maintain that computers are more efficient than human beings, not better. But tell me, which do you prefer to have around? I presume your question is meant to offer me a choice between machines and human beings, and I believe I have already answered that question. I was just trying to make conversation, Spock. It would be most interesting to impress your memory engrams on a computer, Doctor. The resulting torrential flood of illogic would be most entertaining. <laughs> Mr. Sulu, take us back to the space station. Ahead, warp back to two. Okay, again, I, I hope everyone enjoyed that look at uh, the ultimate computer from the second season of the original Star Trek series. I really liked looking at that one. That one's, um, I, I probably say this again, I think I say it every week, but that, that episode I've seen a lot. I just like it. It's got a lot of good battles and things, which is neat. It's got the whole man versus machine story, so uh, re- really good one, and definitely uh, definitely one worth seeing and, and worth enjoying by lots of people, I think. Uh, let's talk uh, briefly about some uh, collectibles. This week I thought what I would do is just kind of talk generically about a series of items that I have quite a few of. And I'm not going to really do an individual review, but I will put a couple of pictures in the podcast notes, and it's all in the collectible gallery on the treksf.com website. This is, uh, I want to talk briefly about the Franklin Mint Company. Several years ago, uh, in the 90s especially, the Franklin Mint put out a series of pewter pewter metal uh, starships and, and different ships from Star Trek. Uh, they did basically one for every version of the Enterprise, uh, the Shuttlecraft Galileo, uh, the enemy ships like the Romulan Warbird, the Klingon Battlecruiser, uh, even up to they did one event eventually of the Enterprise as seen in the last Star Trek series, Star Trek Enterprise. They did one of those. Uh, they did uh, Deep Space Nine, pewter replica, I've got probably just about uh, most of the ones they've done. I'm missing a few. I, I don't have a Deep Space Nine runabout. Uh, a couple other things I don't have. But uh, anyway, uh, you can see pictures of these in the gallery. Again, I'll link them to the page. But I just want to say they're all they're all really nice. The, the pewter metal is a little bit tricky to work with. And with the, the ships, especially the Enterprise, on those thin pylon engines... Uh, not really the best situation. Sometimes they'll sag down a little bit, but if you're careful, you can kind of rebend them into shape. The Franklin Mint, as far as I know, they don't have a Star Trek license any longer, and a couple of years ago they stopped producing any new ones of these, but they can be found pretty regularly on eBay, the you know the wonderful auction site for all of us to uh, spend our money at. And they go pretty reasonably. They Originally, most of them sold in the, they were all in about the $150 to $200 range approximately. Franklin Mint was really nice because they had payment plans even. You could spend like $30 a month over a few months and, and buy one. Um, but on, on eBay, I'd, I've seen them anywhere. It depends on the particular one. Some are a little more rare than others, but they, you know, they go for about the same range that they did when they were originally out. Occasionally, you'll see ones go higher than that on the real rare, excuse me, the real rare uh, models of the different ships, but I'd say usually 100, 100 to 150 is about average for them. Sometimes even you get some bargains. I think I picked up a couple of them in the 50 to 75 dollar range, a couple that I didn't have off eBay. 
So uh, take a look at that and the collectible gallery, and I think you'll uh, you'll like them. And if you're into, uh, they have a nice uh, you know look to them. They're not really painted; they're just sort of uh, they've got some detailing and, and dark areas. Each of them have sometimes a, a crystal or a gold point, uh, like the the Enterprise itself has sort of a gold uh, 18 karat maybe or whatever gold sensor dish, and these red crystals in the engines. But they're mainly this sort of dark gray. Uh, pewter metal made out of uh that and uh it looks they look real good they have on the they're all coming on uh stands so they they mount uh, up on a stand real well and you can put them in a nice display case and they're really nice uh, i wish the franklin mint continued with that but they did most of the ships from all the shows at least the major ones and they it was a really good run there for a while And I think uh, as far as the main parts of this week's podcast, I think that's uh, going to just about do it. Uh, I talked about the contests, youbynow.com, check them out, and some nice email talk, uh, the movie trailers, the episode. Yeah, I think I'm pretty well covered. A um, couple things. One, this was show 48. I will have another Wednesday show this week. I should have one, uh, which will be show 49. And then next weekend, just in time for Mother's Day, because I know all the moms out there listen to Trex and Sci-Fi, uh, the the podcast for next weekend will be show number 50, which should be a lot of fun. It's probably going to be a little longer than normal. I'd like, uh, if anyone would like to send a little congratulations or something, you know, you can send them in to uh, me at treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail line 20688-TREX. And I would appreciate any, uh, any of those, and I will definitely be playing them on the show. The main... Uh, the main topic, though, and the main thing I'm going to look at for the show number 50 rather than just a whole, like, pat myself on the back for the whole show type thing is I am going to look at um, another Star Trek movie. Haven't done one of those in a while. I am going to look at Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular, of the Star Trek films for the general public. A lot of fun, you know, go to Earth, back in time, get some whales, Lots of good stuff in that movie, and that will be the main topic for show number 50 for next uh, next weekend's podcast. So until then, I'd like everyone to have a nice week, uh, and uh, keep watching that good Star, Star Trek and sci-fi out there. Uh, we'll see you on Wednesday, probably another Aurora episode for that one, I think. Until then, everyone have a good week. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved. This podcast sponsored in part by youbynow.com.